Hi there, I'm Travis, and this is the Why Is That Podcast. Welcome back to the Why Is That Podcast. Before we get started, I just want to point out that I have marked today's episode as explicit. This is because we will be discussing the origin of the middle finger salute and the F-word. After this little warning, I will no longer refer to it as the F-word and instead say the word. If you do not want to hear me curse, then please stop listening now. But do note that I am cursing for educational purposes and not for any fun purposes, so that might make it alright. Either way, you have been warned. Also, anyone who can tell me where the introduction instrumental came from gets a million internet points. Okay, without further ado, let's get into our episode. The year is 1415. The kingdoms of France and England are in the midst of the brutal 100 years war. Hostilities have just restarted in what will come to be known as the Lancastrian portion of the war. After a prolonged siege of Harfleur, King Henry V of England led his soldiers on a raiding expedition in northern France, but was outmaneuvered by the French and forced into a battle near the castle of Agincourt. The French had at least twice as many soldiers as the English, and in some places it was said as many as three times the soldiers. It looked like certain defeat for the English, so the French taunted the English forces, which were made up of predominantly archers. The French yelled that they would cut off the long bowman's middle finger so that they would never be able to pluck their bowstring and fire an arrow ever again. The longbow of the English was of course made of yew wood, So once the middle finger was gone, it would be impossible to ever pluck you ever again. Once the battle began on St. Crispin's Day, 1415, the English shocked the French and completely dominated the battle. Reports have stated that the English captured more Frenchmen than the English even had soldiers. To these captured soldiers, the English longbowmen proudly showed their middle finger to the French and shouted, Pluck you! to show that they would forever have the ability to raise France with their arrows. Additionally, an arrow has pheasant feathers on them to guide the arrow through the air, combined with the middle finger salute that was invented by the archers. This is where the term flipping the bird originated. Over time, the normal changes of language transformed pluck you into fuck you. Thus, we have our origin explanation for these three obscene gestures and phrases. Does this sound a little too good and too tidy to be true? Well, that is because it is. Not a single piece of that whole story is true, besides the fact that the English did win the Battle of Agincourt, despite the very long odds of being vastly outnumbered. This fake story started in those old email chains that used to go around the internet back in the 90s, and survives today in the form of shared Facebook and Twitter posts. For my English listeners, you might be thinking, what? The middle finger means nothing. It is the V sign, or two-finger salute, that means fuck off. And that is true. In the United Kingdom, it is actually two fingers, the middle finger and the pointer finger, which is the obscene sign, and the middle finger alone is more of an American symbol. Through Hollywood and the proliferation of American culture throughout the world, the middle finger has become known to most of the world, but the V sign is the more common obscene gesture within both the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth. In fact, this very same story, the one about the Battle of Agincourt, 
has been used as the origin story for the V sign as well. In both cases, it is likely not true, but it is fun that both have drawn the same origination point. As I describe the origin of each of the four topics we have introduced, it will help to debunk this story. The four topics are the middle finger, the word fuck, the V sign, and the term fuck you, along with its relation to the middle finger. Let us begin with the middle finger. In the 4th century BCE, there was a philosopher known as Diogenes the Cynic. He was said to have been born somewhere between 412 and 404 BCE, and died somewhere around 323. He was one of the founders of the Cynic philosophy, and during his time was a rather controversial figure. Diogenes the Cynic was also a contemporary of the great orator, Demosthenes. The two were not the best of friends, but an interaction that involved the two helps us in today's search. The interaction was recorded in the sixth book and the second chapter of the Lives and Opinions of the Eminent Philosophers, which was written by Diogenes Laterius in the first half of the third century. The two Diogenes were not related. I will quote it directly. When some strangers expressed a wish to see Demosthenes, Diogenes stretched out his middle finger and said, There goes the demagogue of Athens. This middle finger, or one-finger salute, was a well-known insult in the world of ancient Greece. The middle finger was reportedly a symbol for the phallus, or penis, and the curled pointer and ring finger then symbolized the testicles. As the phallus is naturally sexual, in nature this gesture also gained popularity of a sign similar to the way it is used today, as it was a sign used to intimidate or suggest that the person who was receiving the phallus sign also received the penis during sexual intercourse. In ancient Greece, the sexual identity of the populace was quite different than it was today. In the world of ancient Greece, it was seen as an insult or dishonor to be the individual on the receiving end of sexual intercourse. Therefore, while they did not have the phrase, fuck you, in ancient Greek, the middle finger still basically meant, fuck you. Similarly, the ancient Romans also believed that the middle finger was an offensive sign. The Romans specifically called it the digitus impudicus which meant the shameless, indecent, or offensive finger. We previously discussed the Latin poet Marshall in our episode on birthdays. His work, The Epigrams, also provides us with an example of the middle finger. Here is a quote from Book 6. A sixtieth summer, Marcianus has gone, and I think already a second one also, over Cotta's head, and yet he cannot recall that even for a single day he has felt the weariness of a fevered bed. He points his finger the insulting finger, at Alson, Dacius, and Symmachus. Alson, Dacius, and Symmachus were doctors, and since Marcianus had spent 60 years of his life in perfect health, he had never needed a doctor, so felt comfortable flipping them off. It is actually theorized that it was Italian immigrants who brought the custom of the middle finger to the United States. The first documented appearance of the obscene gesture in the United States was in 1886 photograph of Charles Radborn, better known as Old Hoss, who was a baseball player for the Boston Bean Eaters. It is likely that this gesture existed before this occurrence in the United States, but we do not have evidence that confirms it. As for the flipping the bird piece, that is more recent. It is true that the Greeks associated the phallus with birds, but there is no evidence that the jump was ever made to connect the finger and the bird. First, giving the bird. In 1890, William Ernest Henley published a British slang dictionary called Slang and Its Analogues, Past and Present. Here is a quote for an entry labeled Big Bird. To get or give the big bird. Theatrical. To be hissed on the stage or conversely to hiss. 
to be goosed, or as it is sometimes phrased, to get the big bird, is occasionally a compliment to the actor's power of representing villainy, but more often is disagreeably suggestive of a failure to please. This would be similar to our modern-day notion of booing at a performer who is either terrible or is playing the role of a bad person so well that we want to express it audibly. This was originally named for the goose, as geese apparently hiss at things that they do not like, but over time was simplified to bird. From 1890 to the 1960s, the phrase again transformed to essentially meaning any obscene gesture of disapproval rather than just hissing. As the middle finger was growing in popularity as an obscene gesture, at the same time as the phrase was transforming, they naturally became linked, and by the 1960s, it had entered the common understanding that the flipping the bird meant giving the finger. The original definition of giving the bird as hissing displeasure at a performance is also where the phrase the boo birds originated, as booing replaced hissing. There's a funny early example of the term give the bird that fans of the Looney Tunes, Tweety Bird, or 1940s cartoons in general will love. In 1942, an episode of the Looney Tunes aired that was called A Tale of Two Kitties and starred the two cats, Babbitt and Cat Stello. As they hunted for a bird, Babbitt demands Cat Stello to Give me the bird! Give me the bird! Cat Stello then responds, If the Hayes office would only let me, I'd give him the bird all right. This was, of course, a comical double entendre as the Hayes office was the censorship office of the 1940s and would not allow for any obscene gestures. The bird that they are hunting and referring to was Tweety Bird making her debut. This anecdote shows how the phrase had already started its transformation to its modern meaning by the 1940s, and by all indications it has been a well-used phrase by the public at large to mean giving the finger since at least the 1960s. Before we discuss the F word and its origins, we should first explore the V sign. As we have learned, the V sign was the more popular obscene gesture in British society, so if there was any truth to the Battle of Agincourt story, then it would be for the V sign, not the middle finger. Unlike the middle finger, the two-finger salute is a little more difficult to pin a specific origin, and it does appear to be a particularly English or British obscene gesture. There are generally two pieces of evidence that are used to debunk the Battle of Agincourt story. The first is that not a single primary source from the battle, nor from the Hundred Years' War in general, ever mentions the obscene gesture. There were chroniclers on both sides of the battle who would record details of battles, and something like an invented obscene gesture seems like the perfect piece of juicy addition to give a work real life. The first documented use of the V-sign does not occur until the year 1901, almost 500 years after the battle. In this documented use, a park gate iron worker noticed a film crew filming him. The worker was displeased with being filmed and flashed the two-finger salute to visibly show that displeasure. However, when the worker used this gesture, it was clearly meant to be understood by the film crew, so it must have already been a known quantity within society and just did not appear in any printed or visible medium before that. The second piece of evidence used to debunk is that one difference between the English longbowmen and the knights is that in general the archers were poor. During the Hundred Years' War, the soldiers who were captured were either summarily executed or ransomed for money before being released. The knights could pay or were worth someone paying for them, whereas the archers did not have the money nor the importance for someone else to pay for their life. This meant that generally if an archer was captured, 
they'd be executed rather than set free. So instead of chopping off two fingers, the French were far more likely to chop off a captured archer's head. It would not benefit the French to let the archers live since they couldn't get any money for them. The French definitely would not get any money if they mutilated those archers first and made these worthless souls worth even less to their king. It further would not be worth the French's time to mutilate and then let go because sadly they did not care if the English got back to England, so why save their lives? Out of all the primary sources we have from the period, only one ever mentions the idea of chopping off archers' fingers, and that was the chronicler Jean de Vavrin. Jean de Vavrin was a rather interesting individual as he had ties to both sides of the war and is generally cited as a fairly even source to both sides of the war. At the Battle of Agincourt, he was specifically on the French side, but he does change sides later in the war, and after the war he does go on to write a comprehensive history of England that is reportedly the first such chronicle that tries to tell the full story of England from 688 to 1471 covering much of the contemporary Wars of the Roses that followed the Hundred Years' War. One thing that any of you who have fired a real bow and arrow, either a modern-day one or an English longbow of the period, is that a person uses three fingers to fire the bow. In the single report that Jean de Vavrin chronicled that indicates the French cut-off fingers of the English archers was that they would cut off all three fingers rather than just the middle or just the pointer and middle. This would mean that it would not really make sense for the surviving archers to taunt with a two-finger salute, since it was far more likely that they would have been executed, and even if not executed, it would have been three fingers cut off and not two. As such, it is generally not believed that the Battle of Agincourt and the Hundred Years' War in general had anything to do with the origin of the obscene gesture. Instead, it seems to have originated in some unknown way between the years of 1415 and and 1901. This answer can be somewhat dissatisfying, which is likely why the story was made up to begin with. One thing that is incredibly difficult about discerning origins of phrases is that it is often far more entertaining to use folk etymology to explain rather than searching for the truth. This has been the case in several of our episodes so far and will continue to be the theme in the future. Folk etymology is something that you should definitely look out for whenever you hear a story that seems too neat. The more you study history and origins in general, the more you will find that just about everything is far from neat and simple. The other difficult thing about etymology is that generally throughout history, our written record does not really care about the lower classes and regular everyday people. Wavrin had no incentive to write about the everyday life of an archer, so maybe those archers did start flashing a sign, but no one cared. You will notice that the 1901 example was an iron worker who used a two-finger salute. Similar to the archers, that iron worker would be from the lower reaches of society. It is entirely possible that this obscene gesture started with the lower classes and that it took years upon years to break into the consciousness of the elite who would actually be writing histories and writing in general, as in 1415, much of the populace was illiterate. Film has been one of the best ways to disseminate these types of gestures of the everyman and making the upper rungs of society take notice. Anyways, to get back to the point, historians and etymologists do not believe that the V sign originated at the Battle of Agincourt. Instead, it is believed to have originated in a group of people who were not within the public eye until it slowly grew out and into the general public consciousness. 
there is evidence that even by the 1940s, there were still British people who did not know what it meant, as it became a recognizable gesture used by Winston Churchill. Although I have also heard it theorized that Churchill was just being cheeky and pretended not to know what it meant every time that he flashed it. So, that covers the V sign. Finally, we come to the word fuck. Specifically, the word fuck with a sexual connotation. This word has one of my favorite folk etymologies of any word in existence. Rumor has it that the English king was horrified by the degradation of societal morals. In an attempt to combat this ungodly society, the king outlawed sexual intercourse. A married couple who was attempting to procreate could apply for the right to have sex. If they were granted a license to bang, then they would receive a plaque to hang on their door that proudly stated, Fornication Under Consent of King, or the acronym F-U-C-K. Once again, 100% false. Very fun story, though. Jesse Scheidlauer, an author who in 1995 wrote a book titled The F-Word, provides a great deal of information about the history and usage of the word fuck. He posits the theory that the word fuck comes to English from either Low German, Frisian, or Dutch in the 15th century. Use of the word fuck in English before the 15th century was very rare and typically carried the meaning of to hit, and I don't mean to hit that. Instead, the Middle English word that was used with the same connotation of the F word today was the word swiv, which yes, is related to our modern word swivel. The most difficult piece of discovering the origin of the word fuck is that in general it is a word that is far more likely to be spoken than it is to be written. Think about it for a moment. Are you personally more likely to say something rude to someone or write something rude to someone? In most cases, the answer would be say, and in the so-called Middle Ages, where it was stressed to be proper, especially when writing, it was even more so the rule. One of, if not the earliest examples of the word fuck used in a sexual manner was in a coded poem. It is believed that it was put in code because the F-word was taboo to write, but also because it accused friars of breaking their celibacy vows. However, the British medieval historian Paul Booth believes he has located an even earlier written record of the F-word in a 1310-1311 Chester County Court plea roll as it includes the name Roger Fucka by the Naval, the logic being that this was a nickname used to make fun of a dimwit who is so bad at sexual intercourse he ends up with his penis by the woman's belly button. The term fuck you was to follow the transformation of the word fuck from a word that meant to hit to a sexual word. As we saw with the Greeks and Romans, it has been common for 2,500 years to essentially tell someone, fuck you. So once the new word existed, the English used it to express a very old idea. So that covers all of our origins, etymologies, and histories for these obscene gestures and curse words. I hope this was enlightening for all of you, and the next time you see one of those posts going around Twitter claiming the folk etymology, be sure to link them to this episode that together we can all be a little more factual. Today's sources include the BBC, The Perseus Project, Antiquatum, Snopes, BS Historian, Slate, The F Word by Jesse Scheidlauer, The Independent, Huffington Post, and I think that is all of them. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of the Why Is That podcast. If you enjoyed it, please help me grow the show by telling a friend or two, sharing it on your social media, or rating the show on your podcast app of choice. Speaking of podcast app of choice, be sure to subscribe so you receive all of our future episodes. 
The show is available on Acast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Podcast Republic, Podbean, iHeartRadio, and everywhere podcasts are streamed. Be sure to like the show on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at WhyIsThatPod. You can email me at whyisthatpod at gmail.com, and you can visit the website at whyisthatpodcast.blogspot.com. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Why Is That Podcast. Have a great couple weeks. Cheers.